Hello, this is Zach Cherian. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. We are really excited to bring you this teaching. Please open your heart, and if you can, your Bibles, and receive this word from the Lord, recorded live at Brazen Grace Fellowship. Today I'm going to do something a little different. Um, as, the, as the week went on and as we heard the news of the passing of Billy Graham, I woke up Saturday morning with a very strong urge in my spirit to change the message. And so I'm going to do a teaching today and then I will get back to prosperity next week, okay? I'll get back to true prosperity next week. I don't want you to miss it. Um, but if you would please excuse me, I really feel that God wants to share this today. Is that okay with you? I have a teaching today called Lessons I Learned from the Life of Billy Graham. And for those of you that might say, well, that's kind of silly. You know, why, why are we learning lessons from a mortal man? I don't know if you know this. Most of the lessons you learn in the Bible are from mortal men. If it's not about Jesus, it's definitely a mortal man. If you're learning about Abraham, you're definitely learning about mortal men. If you're learning about anybody in the Bible other than the person of Jesus Christ, you're learning about a mortal man. And I believe that there are things that we can learn and glean from through the lives of these great people that have lived in our time. And I, 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 I personally think that in the charismatic church, we missed out on getting to know and understand the life of this great man. And he was somebody that influenced me greatly as I entered into full-time ministry. I have come to believe that in this day and age that we live in, more than ever, we need to pass down stories to our children of great men and women that live in our day. Are you here today? It is really important that we teach our children because I bet you they know what the name of the new Kardashian baby is. But they don't know who Billy Graham is. It just breaks my heart even as I say that. It's a strange generation we live in where the children are parenting the parents. The children decide what they do, when they do, what they do, when to go to church, when not to go to church, when they feel like it. It's a different world we live in church. And in this day and age, I truly believe that it is vital that we as the church pass on godly principles and godly stories down the generations so that we don't forget. In fact, there's a principle in the Old Covenant that talks about share the stories from generation to generation. Share the stories on down of what God did. Teach your children, teach your family godly principles. Teach them, teach them about the great men and women of our day. And I really think and believe that we were privileged to be alive in the same time as Billy Graham. We were truly privileged to be alive in the time of a man that, whether you talk about kingdom, he manifested kingdom more than any kingdom preacher I know. There's a lot of people that preach kingdom and there are those who live kingdom. There's a lot of people who talk about seven mountains, but there are certain people who reign on the top of the seven mountains. Most of the people talking about it don't ever get to the top. Funny. But there are certain people who God raises up and I truly believe Billy Graham was one of them. That we need to pass down to our children. Brazen Grace is a church of the family. If you're a single person here, you're still part of the family. If you're a family here, you're still part of the family. And what I'm trying to do here is try to impart a sense of passing down from generation to generation this tradition that was passed on to me. My parents told me about Billy Graham, by the way. And I'm so honored that not only was my parents in ministry influenced by the life of Billy Graham, that I was too. Isn't that amazing? To know that there's a man that God raised from nowhere to such great heights. I think that's really important. And I, I'm, I'm going to say this with all due respect. I'm going to say this with all humility. 
don't get offended as I say this, and I know the, the, gun, the gun debate is going crazy and I'm never going to bring politics up here. But some of us, some of my people, let me put it that way, will say things like, the reason why these things are happening is because we have no prayer in the school. We need to get the prayer back into our schools. Can I be honest with you? Prayer in the school is not the problem. It's the lack of prayer at home. You can get all self-righteous and blame the school, the principal who you don't even know. is probably not even a believer. And forcing some unbeliever to say the Lord's Prayer in church. So you feel rid of your guilt for not sitting down with your children on a daily basis and praying. Don't get mad at me when I'm preaching good. Because when they do make godless decisions and all hell breaks loose in the family, of course we call the pastor. But rather than reacting to our children, let's proactively put God in their lives. And know the one place, of course they're watching you and you got to live the Christian life. But if you're a parent, you're not just supposed to live the life, you're supposed to tell them. Let them watch the pastor's life and your uncle's and auntie's life. But as mom and dad, it's your job to tell your children. Tell them about the word. Spend time with them. So I'm saying this in all humility. Please don't get mad at me. Create a culture of prayer at home with your family. Maybe you come late. Find a time that you can do it. Yesterday I had the privilege early morning to sit my girls down during our morning Saturday family to prayer and I said, okay, today I'm going to tell you about Billy Graham. <laughs> We're going to talk about Billy Graham. Who that? Oh, who's that? You have no idea who that is. And we as a family shared these things. And today I want to talk to you and my friends watching online around the world. Thank you for being a part of this service. But I, it's been quite an emotional thing for me to watch how much one man God used to impact the world. And I went through 15, 20 different things that I could think of. And I, early morning today, narrowed it down to five things so we could have a short service. Five lessons I learned from the life of Billy Graham. Number one, I really believe these are lessons we can live by. Number one, humility will take the ordinary to extraordinary heights. Amen. The one thing that stood out in the life of Billy Graham was his humility. God took a simple farmer from North Carolina who gets saved under the ministry of Mordecai Ham. You never know who you're getting saved, by the way. You never know that that guy in Crosspoint Inc. whose shoulder you're touching is probably going to be the next Billy Graham of this world. You don't know who you're leading to the Lord. You don't know what your testimony and your story is doing. Billy Graham gets saved and immediately gets radically touched by God and decides I'm going to preach the gospel. And God takes a simple farmer from North Carolina and gives him probably one of the greatest, most successful ministries we've ever seen in this world. I'm going to start today at Hebrews chapter, let me start that real, sorry, sorry I ran by that. Hebrews chapter 13 if you're there, those of you like, is he going to teach the Bible? I am. Hebrews chapter 13 verse number 7, can I have that in the New Living please? Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 7. Remember your leaders who taught you the word. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. This is Paul writing. Remember your leaders who've taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. So if you're wondering why I'm talking from the life of Billy Graham is because of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7. I truly believe, praise and grace, and those of my friends watching online, if you could take my mic down just a little in the monitors. I truly believe that brazen grace is more than just a church. I believe it's a revolution. I believe that I am looking at men and women that are about to change this world. I truly believe that greatness sits in this church. That's why I'm very careful with how we do church in here. We don't just 
willy-nilly wing it. We don't do that stuff. We do it with excellence. Because I understand that what we're nurturing. And on Tuesdays at staff meeting, I often remind our guys, what we have is something very special. What we're nurturing is something very important. What we're raising here is world-changing. Number one, humility will take the ordinary to extraordinary heights. First Peter chapter 5 verse 6 says these words, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will lift you up. This ministry was marked by humility. And here's the funny thing church, even when He made it big, He never changed. God brought prosperity like most preachers have never seen into the life of Billy Graham. I was watching TV the other day and one of President George Bush's ad advisor was speaking about the legacy of Billy Graham and he was telling us, saying how after 9-11, when every plane was landed and grounded all across America, every plane was grounded all across America, Billy Graham's plane was in the air and the White House was on the phone with the air traffic control making sure he got home safely. While every plane was grounded all across America, the president's office works to make sure Billy Graham lands safely. God took this man to heights of greatness and success like you can never imagine. But the truth of the matter is he never changed who he was. They approached him about putting a star of it on, him, on, the, on the Hollywood Boulevard with his name on it and he was opposed to it for the longest time. And then later he changed his mind after he met many godly entertainers and leaders and as he received that star during that cer ceremony, he made this announcement. He said, uh, the only reason I was okay with this is one day when a kid walks by and he looks at that star, he's going to look at his mom and he's going, who's Billy Graham? What movie did he act in? And the mom will be forced to say he was a preacher of the gospel. What's the gospel, mom? Huh? As I was preparing for this sermon, I thought of this point that Billy Graham lived to make Jesus famous and Jesus returned the favor. Counselor to presidents, Influential man. I was reading yesterday that when the Iron Curtain fell in the former, U in the former USSR, one of the first people they called from the West to Russia was Billy Graham. Not the president of some country, but they called old little farmer boy Billy to come into the country because he was a man of influence and he spoke. Church, if we can learn the art of staying humble even when we get big, sometimes I'm sure God is even nervous about prosperity coming into certain hands because you haven't learned the art of humility. Because when we're truly humble, money doesn't change us. When we're truly humble, money doesn't change us. We tend to use it for the right purposes. God's promise to you, praise and grace, is Exodus 3.30. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. There's greatness on the inside of you. And if you were to ask me what the first lesson from the life of Billy Graham is, I would say humility will take you to extraordinary heights. Humility will take you places that you can't even ask or imagine. Your simplicity does not cancel greatness on the inside of you. The fact that you're an ordinary nobody does not change your destiny. That God can take you from absolute, what's the word I'm looking for? Obscurity, is that a word? And take you to heights of fame that you can't even imagine. But when you get there, stay humble. Number two. The lesson I learned the most from the life of Billy Graham was his passion for the prayer, for prayer and his passion for the word. I watched an interview with him many times and I saw it last night with my wife again. 
And Paul Crouch asked Billy Graham, is there anything you would do different if you had to do this all over again? Now you would think the most successful evangelist in the history of the world. I don't think anybody has had more greater influence than him. There are other people that have won more people to the Lord, but there's nobody that has greater influence than him. And here they ask him, is there anything else you would do different? Would you do anything? If you had to do this all over again, would you do anything different? And Billy Graham said, yes, I would. He said, I would spend more time in the word and I would spend more time in prayer. And the interviewer says, it's not like <laughs> you need to spend more time in the word and in prayer. You do realize you've had the greatest ministry in the world. It doesn't make a difference. If I could do this all over again, I would spend more time with God. I would spend more time in prayer. Cliff Burrows, his closest friend, said that his favorite psalm, his favorite verse in the Bible was Psalm 16 verse 11. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want to challenge every young minister in this place today. Not only to walk in the place of humility. But true humility is shown in your discipline with the word of God. And your discipline with prayer. You're not accidentally going to fulfill your destiny. Did you hear me? You're not just going to boom walk into your destiny. It's not going to happen. You're going to enter into your destiny through a disciplined lifestyle of prayer and being in the word. Because the only thing that keeps me humble when I get there is the word of God in my heart. Because I have to remember, pride comes before a fall. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you're in Texas and you're getting offended at me saying humble with an H, get over it. Humble. Lesson number three that I learned from the life of Billy Graham is failure is not final. You're like, Billy Graham failed? The man who is known to be the closest confidant of presidents from Truman to Barack Obama even met President Trump before he became president. From Truman to President Obama. That's a long list of presidents, boy. The man that was the closest friend to all the kings and presidents. Did you know that his very first trip to the White House was a complete failure? It went so bad that President Truman hated the guy till almost before he died. Billy Graham, who was young and youthful and wasn't aware of presidential protocol and how to be and what to say and what not to say when you leave the White House, comes right out of the White House, has a huge press conference and tells the press every word that he discussed inside with the president. The president comes out and says, the man's a counterfeit, he's a fraud. Can you imagine that that man which the president said was not real, as fake. I think Billy Graham was just being a young man. I don't think he meant to do it in a bad way. But God took that man that had the most disastrous presidential meeting and made him the closest friend to presidents and kings. Failure is not final. Many of you have disqualified yourself from things because you've messed up and things you've done. The God who knows that tomorrow you may fail is still trusting you. The God who knew that David would mess up in the future still anointed him to be king. Go home. Your failure is not final. And just when it looks like you messed it up, I got the one opportunity to meet the president and I blew it. It's never going to happen again. Not if the favor of God's on your life. When the favor of God is on you, God even takes your messes and uses it in your favor. It's funny that even to this day we say, Billy Graham has met every president from Truman to President Obama. Truman, that was a disaster. And yet, God takes that and uses it to lift you up. Proverbs chapter 24 Verse 16 says this, the righteous may fall seven times, but he still gets up. He still gets up. Some of you have 
given up because of things that happened that didn't go your way and you've quit. Get up. It's time to get up. Some of you were in ministry and you messed up and you failed and you've quit. Get up. Your failure has not canceled the anointing of God on your life. The giftings of God are irrevocable. It could have been a moral failure. It may have been a financial failure. It may be a failure of any kind. Listen to me. Your failure does not determine your future. Whoever you are, whatever you have done, God still has not removed His hand from your life. His hand is still over your life. Listen to me. Lesson number four I learned from the life of Billy Graham. Billy Graham had a courage. He had a boldness. That nobody did. Point number four is he had boldness to stand against cultural evils. In a day and time when ropes divided the whites from the blacks. In a church meeting by the way. And church people were not offended with that. Church people who claimed to be people of love were not offended by the fact. That their own brother and sister was not allowed to sit where they were sitting. That their own brother and sister were not allowed to drink from the place that they were drinking. Church people sat quiet. And crusade after crusade of great men of God. Many of them that you love and adore had segregated crusades. And in the early days of Billy Graham, he did too. But he couldn't take it anymore. And he decided that he was going to stop that demonic evil of racism. This is close to me because I'm telling you, there is no church like Brazen Grace. I was in a pastor's meeting this Tuesday. And one of the main leaders stood up there and says, you've never seen a church like Brazen Grace. Every color, every kind, every type of weird, they're all there. And I am proud of it. I thank God that you're a different kind and a color than me. I thank God that you think differently. I'm not even trying to get you to vote like me. Thank God for the uniqueness. At one of the crusades, Billy Graham told his head, head usher, go remove those ropes. I don't want no segregation in my crusade. The head usher refused. And while Billy Graham was on stage, he walks off off the pulpit, walks down and rips the ropes off. See, this might seem, oh, that's cool to you today. You know, America has changed so much. Some of our people are still stuck in the old days, but America has changed so much, you don't realize how bad it used to be. This is the greatest nation on earth. It's the freest nation on earth. But it wasn't always like that. There's something many preachers, including preachers of the African-American community that don't know about Billy Graham. Is then when Dr. Martin Luther King was arrested and fined and put in prison. It was Billy Graham that went in and paid the bail to get him out. But he never told anybody. I'm watching one of the black associate preachers of the Billy Graham Evangelist Association say this story. And he says, Billy Graham never wanted that to be known. He was the one who bailed out Martin Luther King. And don't get me wrong. Martin Luther King had some views that most of us wouldn't agree with. That Billy Graham sure didn't agree with. Not because he was a preacher or a pastor, but because of his leanings towards certain philosophies. And yet Billy Graham said, he's still my brother. We have the same blood that flows through us. And if my brother goes in, it's my responsibility to get him out. His family was threatened for doing that. He didn't care. In the charismatic Pentecostal circles, I've heard some Ignorant stories told by church people to explain why Billy Graham is so successful, why the Pentecostals are not. He sold his soul or he did this and he... All kinds of ignorant stuff. Don't dilute the favor of God with excuses. Yeah. 
God lifted him up during a time of great division and yet he was loved by Republican presidents and Democrat presidents alike. Sometimes I think that our political passion gets in the way of our love. Which brings me to my fifth point. He loved all. He loved all, but he never compromised on his convictions. I'm going to say this and I'm going to say this with love. Listen to me carefully. He loved all people, even those that disagreed with him. But he was humble enough to let love be what he is known for, not the convictions. Love always precedes convictions. When you get an opportunity to be or to serve people in authority, and if you've read your Bible, you know God is the one who lifts them up, whether you voted for Him or not. And that's the problem today. Is we have somebody, whether you like it or not, the same way President Obama was voted in, President Trump is voted in. And yet the amount of disrespect that happened in the last eight years and now continuing into these years. But we've never seen it like it's been this, these years. Whether you agree or don't agree, learn to honor first. We are so trying to be not of this world that we forget that the first part of that verse says, be in this world. You will never make a difference if you sit in your little self-righteous corner and hang on to your views and opinions. You'll never be able to change a life that doesn't first trust you enough to love them. Did you hear me? And we live in a day and age where social media, we feel the urge to puke on social media day and night. Every feeling, every emotion has to go on there. Keep it. Leave something for mystery for God's sake. What would the church have told Daniel? The Daniel who was robbed and stolen from his family by a wicked king. And then his man parts are cut off by this king. And yet he is made to serve and advise this king on how to make the kingdom better. We'd have told him, you are serving a wicked man, don't help him. And yet the Bible says that God anointed him to advise Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was one of the worst kings in the history of the world. They killed babies as sacrifices. They were known to be the most wicked people ever. And God anointed Daniel to be in that kingdom to be a blessing. Go home. Y'all don't want to hear me preach today. We'd have, Brother Daniel, come away from there. Come away from there. No, it's my calling. God placed me in this place. When certain preachers would associate with the former president, some of you called them heretics. Could it be that a preacher is exactly what who you disagree with needs? If you're walking around with your convictions blaring out there, but nobody can see love, you're called a Pharisee. Please don't leave Brazen Grace after this sermon. Many Christians feel like they are to be the defenders of <laughs> I was about to say some faith. <clears throat> the defenders of the word. Can I tell you something honestly, beloved? He can defend his truth pretty good himself. The church of Jesus can never be put out. And it's not because of the church, it's because of Jesus. I will build my church. I remember, I'm like, oh God, oh God, what can I do to grow? I said, I will build my church. I didn't ask you to. Jesus said in John 13, verse 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, 
if you stand for the truth if you love one another if you love one another do you have the humility to be best friends with someone on the opposite political side of you or are you so married to your opinions that you don't know how to be friends with people on the other side hmm I love Billy Graham because he met, counseled, and loved on pre presidents on the other side. This really broke me when I watched President Clinton and some of you already zoned out. Come back now. It really, my heart just split in two when I, when I heard this. And President Clinton said at his most darkest hour, and you all know what he was talking about. Billy Graham came to meet him. But he didn't judge him. He said the only thing Billy Graham gave me was redemption. Some of y'all would have been standing there and taking the opportunity to say, this is what happens when you're a liberal. <laughs> liberal does as liberal is. Man, we don't know the ways of God. Come on. Come on. He sure picks some strange people to places of authority and power. He'll pick the most unpresidential people to be presidents of our country. And if you think I'm leaning a certain way, honestly, my wife tells me, honey, people think you're extreme one end because of you're always defending us. I, say, I honestly, I'm, I don't go that way. I have my views. But I want to be known for love first. But with that said, he never compromised on his convictions. He believed what he believed until the day he died. He loved all people. And I want Brazen Grace to be such a church that we love all people. No matter what you are, who you are, what you've done. We love all people. No matter where you come from or what background. We love all people. We love all people here. Red and yellow, black and white. All are precious in His sight. You may even come from a disagreement. You may come from a lifestyle that we don't agree with. You may come from a background that we don't even, we don't even agree with. But I know something. God loves you. God loves you. But while I say that, can I also say, church, that loving people that you disagree with doesn't mean you have to give up what you agree with to agree to love them. You can still hold on to the truth because my Bible does not change. It doesn't change. I can love people of any persuasion, any background, wherever you're from, I can love all. If you call me names because I don't agree with what you agree with, then you have a problem, not me. Because I have made up my mind to love you whether you change or don't change. Hmm? Titus chapter 1 verse 9. Hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. Paul is saying, don't change what I have taught you. Hold on to the truth that you were taught. So that you can encourage others by sound doctrine. Is doctrine important? Yes. Please don't, don't ever forget. I don't have to condone your lifestyle. But I will still love you. If it makes you mad that I don't agree with your lifestyle. I can't help you there. But I've chosen to love you. I don't love you to change you. I love you to love you. If your love is about changing people, then, then it's not the love of God. Because my Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians 13, that first, that love is not conceited. It does not have a motive behind it. Let me love them so I can change them. No, change is a byproduct of love. It's not the motivation of love. Can I say something, Brace and Grace? If you want to change this world, start making friends with people on the other side of you. Because all we're going to do sitting in our little bubble is recycle among ourselves. And nothing changes out there. There's a real world out there. There's real people out there. Some of you are so set on Republican or Democrat that, that you, you can't even see past 
those two letters R and D to get to see what someone actually believes. This may be a shock to some of you in this room. But in this city, two of the biggest leaders that God raised both had D on their names and were the most Bible-based, Bible-loving politicians I've ever met. Some of you got so mad at me when I stood with our mayor. You know what party she's from? I don't care what party she's from. I care about what she believes. Elections going on right now. Now I'm not going to ever stand up here and tell you who to vote for. I don't do that stuff. But I am challenging you today church. Don't ever change your convictions. Don't ever change what you believe. If it is in the word, that is it. That's truth. Now this is coming from a grace preacher who has been changing minds weekly basis here. I understand. The day I tell you something that's not in this book, come talk to me. Or at least on the right side of the book. Why am I preaching this message? Because I am hoping that the life of Billy Graham will inspire leaders to make a difference in this room. You're not too young, you're not too old. Jim Baker shared a very powerful story. Jim Baker, yep, that Jim Baker. In fact, right now I don't think we agree on two things other than Jesus is Lord. I'm not into that whole stuff. Apocalyptic, scare the lights out of you, store up food because it's all coming to an end. I don't believe in that stuff. But he's my brother. And he shared a story of when he went into prison for things that he was accused of at that point that I believe he was actually acquitted of. But he lost all his friends. All the famous preachers forsook him. Everybody gave up on him. Nobody came to see him. Nobody loved on him. But when he was in prison, Billy Graham went quietly to meet with him. And the day he came out of prison, he had nowhere to go. And the Grahams took him into their house. If you know anything about theology, Billy Graham and Jim Baker are kind of on opposite ends of the theological spectrum. I say this in humor. Everybody loved Billy Graham. Everybody loved Billy Graham. Except the Calvinists. I'm joking. I'm joking. Maybe not. I'm joking. We've watched crusade after crusade after crusade where he would preach the gospel. And I love him because he kept it at the centrality of the cross. I really have tried to model my ministry around that. Which is why I preach about grace and there's no grace without the cross. It's truly the life after the cross. And at the end of his message he would say from every corner come, come, come. Jesus is waiting for you. And as they did in every single crusade, the choir would start singing just as I am. Without one plea. And people would come from every corner. I always said, God, I don't know how people do that. People would jump out of their seats because the conviction of the Holy Spirit would fall upon them. There are people in this room that God wants to raise. There are people that are watching me right now that God wants to raise. To take you to heights of influence, but it doesn't change you. He could be the friend of a president and he could be the friend of the poor person in a village in India. But to never change. Let's always keep humility as what we're known for, brazen grace. Amen? And let's pass on these traditions from generation to generation. Let's teach our children. Let's teach our children about godly men and women of God. Can I encourage you with something? Don't teach your children to talk about the pastor and the leaders. Don't encourage. Don't take stuff home. Don't take stuff that's happening in the church to your kids. Don't do that. 
Because then when they grow up, they're like, I don't want to go to church. All that happens there is a bunch of gossip. I really believe, I really believe this. It's been a very emotional week for me. I had to struggle my way through that sermon. I really believe God wants to raise up leaders that will make a difference. That are, it doesn't matter whether you're young or old. But that really want to make a difference. People that are clothed with humility. Love goes before convictions. To love people all alike, big and small. To really make a difference in this generation that when it's all said and done, when it's all over, you can look back and say, man, I made a difference. This is what I always pray. I said, Lord, let my name make a dent in this generation. And if you've messed up and you feel like, ah, dude, I'm too old. I just, I screwed up too much. Ah, it's not over, man. It's not over. It's not over till God says it's over. And he still wants to use you. He still wants to use you. And I pray that this fire to win souls will catch this church. Yeah. Let me look, look me in the eye. Look me in the eye. Look at me. 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 When's the last time you led someone to the Lord? When's the last time you led someone to the Lord? When's the last time you spoke to somebody and led them to the Lord? He who wins souls is wise. The only thing that we can... The only thing we're actually allowed to talk about, it's not how great you are, how holy you are, how good you are, how rich you are. None of that matters. It's rubbish. Billy Graham said, the only reason I'm going to heaven is not because of anything. What I've done, what I've not done, none of that stuff matters. But the one thing I can wear, and I hope you can wear, is I want somebody to the Lord. That person's eternity is going to heaven. He's not going to go to hell because of me. Wow. Let's stand. Just as I am without one plea that thy, thy blood was shed for me and thou be Come to Thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. It just wouldn't be right to preach about the life of Billy Graham and not give you an opportunity to be saved. If you're in this place today, if you're watching me online, and you know there's greatness on the inside of you, you know there's a destiny that's bigger than who you are. And you're like, how? How is ordinary me going to do it? It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. If you don't know Jesus today, I want to lead you to Him. What would you wait for? The one who died for you, shed His blood for you, who gave His all for you. If you're in this room maybe, and maybe you're watching me online, but you need to give your life to the Lord, would you, would you come just as you are? Bring your baggage, bring your sins. It doesn't matter. Just come just as you are. And let Him save you. Would you pray this prayer with me? Join my friends in this room, those of you watching online. Just pray it out loud. Say this, dear Lord Jesus. I come just as I am. Needing a Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. I give my life to you completely. I believe that you are in my heart right now by your Holy Spirit. Change my life and use me, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. And God, now I pray for praise and grace. Would you lift your hands, family? That you will raise world changers and history makers in this house. Those that are faithful, those that understand what it means to be sold out for God. Those that understand what it means to love people that are different from me, that look different from me, that think different from me.
Father, our prayer, Lord, my prayer, God, after 21 years of ministry, use us to change the world, Jesus. And Lord, for those that feel like they've messed up too much, they've gone too far from the call of God, let them know the giftings of God are irrevocable. He never takes it back. So no matter how messed up you are, those gifts are still on the inside of you. And God wants to use you. So Father, that you would raise broken people. That you would raise simple people. That you will raise messed up people. That you will raise people that just don't feel qualified that you would raise them up in this place. Father, we pray for San Antonio, Lord. This is your city. 300 years of missions. 300 years of missions in San Antonio this year. That on this 300th year, an awakening would sweep over San Antonio. Let it start at Brazen Grace. Let the message of the cross and the finished work of Jesus be lifted up in this place. Today, God, I humble myself. Help us to work to make you famous. Lord, I humble myself. We humble ourselves. Not for us, not to us, not about us. But to you alone, Jesus, be all the glory. To you be all the praise. Father, we surrender today. Would you lift both hands and say, Here I am, Lord. Use me. One more time. Here I am, Lord. Use me. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. I pray in the name of Jesus. That as the word of God has been released. That a fire. A fire. Would grow on the inside of you. A fire would go, grow. And Father we pray the prayer that Billy Graham prayed. That a fire of awakening would sweep across America. Jesus, it is our prayer that you will awaken our nation like never before. That you would unite us not on what we believe, but unite us on who you are. We're different people with different beliefs, but it does not disqualify our friendship, our unity. Father, I pray today in this room, let brazen grace grow. Let soul winners come out from this church. Let a passion to win souls be birthed in this room. Let a passion to bring people to church grow in this room. I pray, Holy Spirit, sweep our services every week. Thank you for what you do here, God. I'm so humbled, God, that week after week after week, you move in such great power every week. Bless your people with life. Bless your people with hope. Bless your people with courage. I decree over you, you are anointed, you are equipped, you're talented, you're creative, you are blessed. You are holy. You are without reproach. You are full of the energy and the power of God. May you live out your destiny. And may God raise men and women in brazen grace of influence, of power, of destiny that are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. We're willing to preach your word, oh God. We don't care about how we look or what people think about us. We will stand for the truth. I bless your people today. Thank you for the life of a great man that we had the privilege of learning and gleaning from in this generation. But I also thank you for the great men and women that you are raising right now in this room that are watching me. In Jesus' name, bless them, I pray. Fill them with hope. Fill them with life. I pray that signs, wonders, and miracles become normal in the lives of every individual in brazen grace. Fill your people with your glory. Fill your people with your anointing. Refresh everyone, I pray. 
let this be a week of surprises a week of blessing a week of favor a week of good reports a week of great blessing of increase of promotion now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the only wise God to Jesus be belong all the glory the honor and the praise say it with me let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in Jesus name in Jesus name amen 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 praise God church hallelujah I'll give God some real praise now do we have the t-shirts next week okay we don't have the t-shirts I was gonna do something God bless you family I really 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 need you to bring people to church every week need you to bring people to church every week would you do that for me God bless you guys. You have a blessed, God-filled week. We'll see you guys next Sunday. Amen. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can repeat this simple prayer with me right now, wherever you are. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you as I am and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is my Lord. I am yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today for this teaching. We would love to hear from you. You can write us at ZCIM PO Box 592675, San Antonio, Texas. 78259. For more information on ZCIM, please visit us at zcim.org or on Facebook and Twitter at ZCIM Official. God bless you.